this parable we heard in the gospel today is quite startling, isn't it? It may seem as if Jesus was praising this cunning man for figuring out how to get away with things. But if you look at the other readings, you get the, the proper perspective because it's clear from the context of the Bible that God doesn't, would not approve someone who is a cheater. Uh, Amos, the prophet, in the first reading is saying how God will punish those who use their cleverness to deceive others or to exploit them. So clearly, Jesus doesn't mean disapproval of the steward in a Machiavellian way, as if you know, the ends would justify the means or something like that. So what is the meaning then? What is, how are we to understand this? I think that what the Lord is pointing to is to the disconnect between this connect that may exist between good values and their implementation. Because see, at times, we may have the right ideals, we may be aiming at the kingdom of God, but then we may not quite figure out how to apply those principles to everyday decisions, and therefore then miss the way. And that's why he, the Lord says, the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. Have you seen people with good intentions fail because of lack of experience or naivete? Or haven't you failed at some point because you misread a given situation or maybe you, know, you, you lacked experience in how to deal with it or acted impulsively? And I think that's the, the point that Jesus is trying to make. He wants us to be children of light, but he also wants us to develop that cleverness in dealing with our own generation, getting from you know, our everyday life to the goals we want to attain. And if we look at Jesus himself, it's clear that he had this capacity to do that. He came to this earth to fulfill the Father's mission. He lived, he came here to save us. But then he was so smart in how he would accomplish that, how he called each disciple and formed them and elected them, and how he spent time in each different place and how he interacted with people. I mean, he left his adversary speechless so many times. Like on that occasion when they brought the woman and he said, let the one who has no sin be the first one to throw a stone. And they all left in silence. Or when they were challenging him with the, the question of the tax to Caesar. And then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And they again were stumped by his response. He even outsmarted those wicked, cunning, fallen angels. Even the devil couldn't figure him out. When he thought he had Jesus on a cor against the corner, and almost crushed him with the passion, Jesus used the very passion to overthrow the devil. So even fallen angels couldn't quite be a match for him. So Christ had, had this amazing practical wisdom, but well, the point is, how, how can we imitate that? How do we get to practice that and learn it? What is it about? Well, let me break it down in two main aspects for today. The first one is this, practical wisdom is about connecting everyday decisions with the long-term goals 
that you want to attain. And this is something this sly steward was very good at. He knew where he wanted to get. As soon as he was losing his job, he realized, well, what I need now is people to hire me. I need good connections. And so he developed this strategy. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, people speculate in the commentaries that maybe he was dishonest once again by stealing his master's money, but possibly, you know, that was his overhead. You know, he kind of overcharged, and that was his corruption. He would lend stuff, and then he said, well, you owe, you know, 20% more. That's for me. And so now he would forgive that sort of his own gain. He would lose in the short term to gain in the long run. So he was clever. He knows where he wants to get, and he gets there. So that the first thing to clarify is, okay, what are your long-term goals? Where do you want to get? Do you know it? Have you reflected on it? And then how do you connect? Maybe you have those dreams and things you want to achieve, but how then do you connect those dreams with everyday decisions? They cannot be disconnected. You have to find a way to link them. And establishing a connection means, for example, that you need to pick your battles. You cannot just battle on every possible front. You have to decide, you know, this, this is my battle right now. That connection, establishing that is also about knowing when to wait to move forward and when it's time to act. And it's also, it also means that you need to know, um, you need to anticipate the outcomes of different courses of action. Okay, go this route or that route. How is it going to turn out? And then to choose the one that you think is going to help you get closer to that goal. It's important to have that capacity to anticipate the different results. So that's the first element in practical wisdom. It's about knowing where do I want to get and how does my everyday life reflect that long-term goal that I want to achieve. Now, the other aspect of practical wisdom is concerned with the inner world of complex passions. Because this steward, any of us, not only have to deal with a complex world out there, but also with a difficult world of our emotional life, our inner life. And this man had this ability as well. He reflects, you know, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm not, I'm ashamed to beg. So he's very well aware of what he can and cannot do physically and emotionally. So he spends no time in unrealistic planning. He's well aware of his strengths and his limits. Well, this aspect of practical wisdom is connected with something that psychologist Daniel Goleman called in one of that famous book, Emotional Intelligence, because this counselor in his research realized that many people who succeeded Although, rather, the ones who succeeded were not necessarily those with the highest IQ or the people who worked the hardest, but particularly people who were good at this emotional intelligence thing. They were good at understanding their emotional life and, and managing it and expressing it well. And that's not far from what the Catholic tradition describes as virtue, because that big component of virtue 
is about knowing how to manage our emotions in a good way. You know, and that's very important to act well in the world. You know, if you want to kind of steer that, if you want that, that ship that is your own heart, your own mind, correctly in the world, you need to know that. You need to know how to manage it. It's not an easy machine, so to say, to navigate. You know, I may have great goals in life, but if I'm very impulsive, or I lack assertiveness when it's needed, or I cannot control my anxieties and insecurities, or, you know, I'm very scattered-minded, well, I, never, I will never get there. I need to know what kind of heart I'm dealing with and then know how to manage myself a bit. Um, so in, in, in having a good management of emotions implies knowing how to express them well at the right time without hurting or alienating others. It implies, you know, knowing what situations I'm able to handle well and which ones I'm not. I think that a great example of uh, what it means to, to be good at managing the inner world is a movie that uh, came out like two decades ago, A Beautiful Mind. It's a story of, it's a real life story. I would say that the movie is kind of 90% accurate. It's very, it's very close to real life. It's about a man called John Nash, who was Nobel Prize winner. He was a brilliant mathematician. And you see in the movie that this weird thing started happening in his life, this kind of bizarre situations, and eventually they figure out what it is. They said he, is, he has paranoid schizophrenia, and so a lot of characters that he sees are unreal people. And you, you would think that that's the end of his career, and that's the end of his marriage, and the end of his life, but this man, John Nash, makes this courageous decision. He's going to be clever enough to distinguish what are the real impressions in his life, what are the hallucinations. He's going to learn, figure out how to distinguish them, and then he will simply ignore those delusional perceptions, right? And there's this kind of comical scene at the end of the movie when a friend asks John, says, do you, so do you still see these people? And he looks to the side and sees three angry characters looking at, staring at him. And he says, yes, but... I think they've kind of given up on me because I've chosen to ignore them. Well, that's very hard, but very you know, courageous and, and clever. I think that most of us will not have to deal with something as severe as that, but you, know, you will definitely have to deal with some emotions that are out of sync with reality, that don't quite reflect the world as it is. And you will have to do the same thing. You have to simply just ignore that or say, you know, I, I won't let that anger control my life. I will not let that anxiety control my life. You have to, have to do that. I will not let my mood determine where I'm going to go when it doesn't quite reflect what it's meant to be. Well, I'm not going to talk to that person. Well, good luck with that. You know, that's your spouse. You're, that's your boss. You better talk to them, you know. And that's emotional intelligence. It means, you know, telling those disproportionate reactions, I will not going to follow that. I'm not going to follow your lead. So how can we grow in this uh, practical wisdom or prudence, I would say? There's many ways, but um, let me point out a few. One of them is to learn from people who are good at this. 
when you see people who are really shrewd in practical things, well, observe them. Maybe ask them what, you know, if it's a, that's a good friend or some, a trusted person, how, what would you do in my situation? You also learn a lot from reflection, reflecting on your own experience. And that's a good thing, because even mistakes can help you learn and become better over time. And then maybe let me suggest a practical exercise you can do this week. Think of a situation that causes some perplexity in your life, something you, kind of, you don't figure out exactly how you should proceed in this. And then imagine that it's your best friend that is dealing with that situation. And write a letter of advice. What would you advise your friend to do? Right? Write that letter, just imagining it's him, it's her that is dealing with a particular that situation. And then let that letter sit in your drawer and bring it up again two days later. You'll be surprised how much practical wisdom you have. You know, when you can remove yourself from the pressure of the situation or the stress or you know, the, all the tangling of emotions, you have a lot of practical wisdom that you can tap into when you can just sit back and see the situation more objectively. And that's also a good exercise that you can repeat. That will help you, you know, read your own life better and, and take that step to becoming a child of the life who's also good at reading your own generation and knowing how to handle yourself and how to handle life. So may we pray. Father, give us the cleverness of your son, of your son Jesus. Give us the shrewdness of your saints that we may pursue the good things you want us to attain in this life. Lord, give us that humble acceptance of who we are, of our strengths and our weaknesses, and also the courage to pursue the great goals you have created us for. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.